Hey, what is going on, everyone? It's me, Mr. Mario, and welcome back to another episode of Mod Chat. For those who do not know, this is a podcast I do here in two different forms. First of all, it is available in a video visual form here on the Mr. Mario 2011 YouTube, Rumble, and Odyssey channels. So if you're wanting to check this out in a video visual form, you'll have a few options of doing so. This is a podcast as well, too, and it's available like an actual podcast, so you can take it around and listen to it in an audio-only form wherever the hell you want to. Simply look up ModChat, all one word, on your favorite podcasting app, host, site, provider, what have you, and you should hopefully be able to find it. I know it's not available on all platforms, but it's available on most of them at least. Either way, this is a podcast I do here at least monthly, and what I like to do is cover some topics that I find interesting, cool, things that I want to share with you all, discuss a little bit, maybe even do some show and tell in the world of video game modding and video game console modding. Uh, so this episode here, just like the last one, it's only going to be a small set of topics here, but we're going to go through it and just see what's going on. So even though we have Lily post up in the corner there, uh, this will be a little more entertaining than that. So let's go ahead and just get right into the topics. All right. So here we have an announcement from Analog. This is the company that has done a lot of really cool clone systems. And by that, I mean it totally lovingly. We could actually even see them right here under their product section. Uh, most popular one definitely that's released here recently has been the Analog Pocket, which is just a... Uh, as you can see, just portable, handheld, but also dockable uh, FPGA-based solution for playing your old cartridges, uh, whether it be Game Boy, Game Boy Color, Game Boy Advanced, uh, I believe... Uh, they even have uh, Game Gear and some other accessories and such that you can load up in there, too. Uh, they do have the Duo that is coming out, which is supposed to be the, I think, uh, PC Engine CD. But then, of course, they've been known for the Mega SG based off the Sega Genesis or Mega Drive, the Super NT based off the Super Famicom or Super Nintendo. Uh, they also have their own DAC as well, too, which I really haven't looked into there. However, the 3D is big here, where we don't know too much much about it but they're saying here 64 bits of pleasure coming down here it's going to support wireless bluetooth and 2.4 gigahertz for original style controller ports completely engineered in fpga using analog os and they do state here no emulation a reimagining of the N64, 4K resolution, original display modes, reference quality recreations of specific model CRTs and PVMs, the first and only aftermarket solution supporting 100% compatibility in every region, USA, EU, and Japan coming in 2024. And it looks like this is a look at the controller here, which is a neat looking controller. It kind of reminds me of the um, Brawler 64 controller right here. Now, some people might be wondering why this is such a big deal. Uh, so as I said, this is using FPGA. Essentially, these consoles that Analog makes are rebuilt at a hardware level. And when I said clone consoles, that that's meant lovingly. Uh, they're certainly not like a Nintendo on a chip or a Sega on a chip, uh, but the cool thing about FPGA is essentially it allows people to rebuild the original hardware to a new specification to run on more modern chipsets and such, uh, but it's not using direct software emulation like you'd be familiar with on something such as a Retro Pi, like a Raspberry Pi setup. This here is rebuilding the N64 at a core level 
to run bare metal on new hardware. And if you're familiar with something such as the Mr. FPGA project, which I did a big review of, uh, this is different than Mr. FPGA, but they are both using FPGA technology. The main difference being uh, analog has more specialized console versions right here that run the original cartridges and is closed source, while as Mr. FPGA ends up running the actual ROM and ISO files that you've backed up and such, and it is on open source, uh, not hardware, but open source software. So it is a free and open source project. Uh, either way, the other big thing is that the N64 has not had, to date from what I know, it has not had an aftermarket solution. Uh, and I'm not talking about running an emulator, I'm talking about buying a console, whether it be a recreation or a clone console of some kind, and being able to just run your N64 cartridges on here. We didn't even get a N64 Classic, so it's really cool to see uh, this here coming out here at one point. Uh, I am going to have my eye out on this. This is cool. I'm going to have my eye out on it, but at the same time, the uh, N64 core for the Mr. FPJ project is coming along lovingly, so... Uh, I'm cool with both solutions here. Uh, give the Mr. FPGA that. Uh, I know there's Mars FPGA that's going to be coming out here soon, and then Analog's going to have their offering uh, for the purists who still want to use their original cartridges, but they want something a little nicer to hook up directly HDMI into their TV. I don't cover Atmosphere custom firmware updates all too often now. However, a new Atmosphere custom firmware did come out. Uh, it's currently in pre-release as I am recording this right now. Uh, however, this is from Cyrus. M, and it's interesting because this ended up releasing due to 17.0.0 being released as a firmware for the Switch itself, uh, in which, in short, it was causing issues, it was causing bricks with people who were updating their switches. So uh, Cyrusm ended up fixing this here in the latest pre-release, or latest release you can say, the latest build that's publicly available of Atmosphere, uh, and he did a really big write-up here that I did want to cover, talking about 17.0.0 save management. So here he covers what's happening, and he states, Some people are finding that upon updating to 17, their consoles are getting a black screen and refusing to boot further. Worse, some people are reporting that this is happening even on consoles that aren't using custom firmware in any way. The root cause of this turns out to be an under-the-hood change Nintendo made to save file management in 17.0.0. This change interacts badly with the way some users have modified the system partition in their eMMC in the past, in particular. It turns out to cause systems to which have, at any point in the past, used certain unofficial methods to reset or wipe the internal eMMC to completely fail to boot. So, what change did they make? To answer that, we're going to talk about parallel universes or really how save files are managed. For those who are not interested in the technical details, we can proceed to the end here. But before that, let me get this out of the way. This issue will never occur on consoles which have never been wiped or reset using unofficial methods in the past. Consoles which have only been wiped reset using official methods are unaffected. And this issue is probably not intentional on Nintendo's part. It's a side effect of a legitimate change. So essentially what Cyrus M goes into here is he talks about how these save files are managed on here and gives a pretty good write-up here. If you want to check it out, the link is down below in the description. I'm not going to go into the nitty-gritty on this, but it does state here that 17.0.0 has ended up changing the uh, save management on the system. So some of the information here, they state that Nintendo creates a index of save files. This index is essentially a list of what the save data items 
IDs have what application IDs, user IDs, along with metadata and attributes. When a save file is created, its ID gets added to the index. Games are allowed to specify a save data ID of zero, which will automatically allocate a new save ID and put it in the index. When opening a save file, Nintendo can look up the provided information in the index. If a game specifies an ID of zero, its application ID or user ID can be used as a lookup. Thing is here, they state that Nintendo needs to save data about the index somewhere, and it turns out they made the choice to have the index be another save file. Now, he used some pseudocode to show what save data and such would look like here, and he states here that in practice, this means that prior to 17.0.0, every system save file was considered static, but in 17.0.0, only the index file is considered static. Prior to 17.0.0, the system save file would be static, as we said here, so it would be open directly without needing to go through the index. Because system save files have fixed system save IDs, unlike game save files, this would directly open the system save file and would succeed. However, on the latest firmware, 17.0.0, the system save file would not be static. Because it's not in the index, looking it up will fail, and the OS will conclude that the save does not exist. This is equivalent to deleting that system save file. And as you might have guessed, the problem here arises because some people have ended up in a state where they have an important system save file that isn't in the index. And when updating to the latest firmware, this save file gets deleted and everything breaks. So it seems how this ends up resulting in a brick. He states here that there's two save files that are pretty important. The first one in the system is the content meta database save, and it tracks what OS modules are installed. And if it is deleted, the OS believes nothing is installed and cannot launch or access any of its components. And the second one is the index save. But they're stating here, if it's deleted, it will be recreated and it will start fresh as empty. The OS can actually recover from deleting literally any save file other than the content meta database save. However, consider what happens if the index save is deleted, but the content meta database save isn't. So prior to 17, all the system save files were considered static. So the content metadatabase save wouldn't be in the index, but it could still be open and used normally. However, after updating to the latest firmware, the content metadatabase would no longer be static. It would be treated as deleted, and the OS would become unable to find any of its programs, and it would fail to boot, which is exactly what's happening here. And now this is the important part. It turns out that a lot of homebrew tools for cleaning or resetting a console have been relying on this behavior. Tools like, some of these might be familiar to you all, Haku33, Tegra Explorer, EMMC Hackgen or Choi De Jour used to clean or reset a console to do this by deleting every save other than the content meta database save, including the index. So really this gets you back to a good working state, like a stock state here, but he states here that there's an important difference from an actually cleanly reset console. The content meta database save isn't in the index. This becomes a time bomb, and when the console is updated to 17.0.0, the system can no longer open the content meta database save. It recreates it as empty, and it bricks. In the worst cases, a user might do this to reset their console before reselling it to someone who doesn't even know what homebrew or custom firmware is. And when that unsuspecting user updates, they'll find their console no longer boots. So I actually will say, even from my own personal experience, I know on one of my systems, I believe I've used Haku33 just to completely wipe it. I'm pretty sure I've done that before. So uh, there is going to be a fix here, which we're actually going to talk about in this regard. Here, if you want to get to the fix to make sure this doesn't happen to you, it states here, uh, if this issue has happened to you, like you end up cleaning your system improperly or you don't know if someone cleaned it improperly all you need to do to fix it is boot atmosphere 1.6.1 
or higher. If you're using Atmosphere already, you do not need to worry about this issue. So that's to say here, me interjecting, if you are worried about this system, like you know you've used one of these tools before, uh, what would best be done is go ahead before you update to the latest firmware, like system firmware, make sure you update your custom firmware first to the latest version of Atmosphere. Uh, but some follow-up questions here, which Cyrus does cover, is he states, uh, the issue happens when I boot into the stock OS OFW without Atmosphere. I don't even have custom firmware installed. What should I do? And he says that you need to boot Atmosphere 1.6.1 or higher on the Sys MMC. Now, if someone doesn't want to boot into Atmosphere, do they have any other options? And he states here, I'm sorry, but no, any alternative would be much less safe. Uh, I'm using MUMMC and MUMMC works fine. But the problem occurs when I try to boot official firmware, what should I do? And he says here again, you should boot the latest Atmosphere 1.6.1 or higher on SysMMC. Uh, booting into MUMMC will not fix the problem on SysMMC. In order to fix the problem on OFW stock, you need to boot Atmosphere into SysMMC. Are there any cases where this cannot be fixed? No, I don't believe so. Every case should be fixable by booting into Atmosphere 1.6.1 or higher. Can Nintendo fix this via an official system update? No, they cannot because the console does not know where anything is installed. Uh, and finally, should I stop using tools like this to reset my console? Tools like this should probably be updated to not cause a situation where the content meta database isn't in the index. However, research will need to be done to determine the best way to make this happen, and then tools will need to be updated after that. A safer alternative would be to use a homebrew program to call the official code for resetting to factory settings. If such a program is made in the future, I'll add a link to it here. However, if you really want to use the old tools, so long as you make sure that you're on 17.00 when resetting and boot into Atmosphere 1.6.1 successfully at least once after resetting, it should be fine. So there we go. Uh, that is really, I thought this was a really cool write-up overall. And if you were worried or you're hearing about issues of bricking your modified or previously modified switch, um, issues bricking it when updating to 17.00, uh, Hopefully, this should have you covered. The TLDW or TLDR of this is boot up Atmosphere 1.6.1 or higher. And if it's happening on your stock, like OFW, SysMMC side, you have to boot it on your system NAND or system EMMC. This here is a fork of JRunner with a little addition I thought was pretty cool. So JRunner with extras has really been maintained and run by uh, Octal450, so friend of the show and channel here. However, I'm covering a specific fork from Cheese here, which is JRunner with extras and the Dirty Pico360 here. Uh, so they state that you can get the release from here. And he says that this is a fork of Octal 450's JRunner with extras that adds support for programming glitch chips with a Raspberry Pi Pico. This should be treated as a proof of concept, has had limited testing, and nothing about it is perfect. I do not plan to offer any further support for this project. With the limitations of the Pico and Dirty JTAG, there's not much more that can be improved upon, at least with my limited knowledge. It is still highly suggested to use a stable, tested, and trusted programmer like the XFlasher 360. Visit here to purchase one from a trusted reseller. Of course, use at your own risk, and he says this is not a replacement for Pico Flasher. Dirty Pico only supports glitch chip flashing. Pico Flasher firmware is still needed for NAND flashing. So the idea of this here, the reason why this is cool and I wanted to cover this is because you now have this available all within uh, JRunner itself. Uh, JRunner with extras as long as you use this specific fork here that has Dirty Pico 360. 
And the cool thing is, if you want to be able to use a glitch chip and modify your Xbox 360 for even cheaper and using less tools, you should hopefully be able to do it here. At this point, if all is said and done and working properly, you should be able to use this combination with only a Raspberry Pi Pico. So you could use that, you could get a glitch chip if you're gonna do RGH 1.2, for example. And the idea is you could flash Dirty Pico 360 to the Raspberry Pi Pico. You can then flash a glitch timing file to that and then you can reflash it with Pico Flasher and you can do all the NAND manipulation that you need to. So you don't have to get something like an X Flasher. You don't have to get a, uh, I mean, if you really want to get these, a JR Programmer or a Matrix Flasher or whatever it is, uh, you should hopefully be able to do the NAND operations and even the glitch chip operations if you're not doing RGH3 using this here. Although again, it is in testing. There's also some videos here, so we can go ahead and check these out. This first one here shows JRunner with Dirty Pico 3. 360 flashing the cool runner so we have this all set up as you can see there's a cool runner glitch chip it is wired up to a raspberry pi pico running dirty pico 360 so cheese goes ahead and plugs it into his laptop let's wait a little bit all right hopefully we'll be good here scan devices there we go dirty pico shows up in this specific build goes over to the program timing file, selects that one for RGH 1.2. You can hit program, and as you can see, it was successfully programmed. So it looks like we are good at that point. So that's a quick little thing over it here. He even says that he named this Dirty Pico 360 because, well, he did not create any of the software firmware used in this project. It's simply a suite of open source software available here, uh, which is a combination of, of course, JRunner with extras, the Pico Dirty JTAG, and your JTAG. So all of these here, he was just able to get them all combined and there is instructions on how to get this up and running. So really cool if you're wanting to still mod a Xbox 360 on the cheap, you just want to, but you still want to use a glitch chip, uh, you should hopefully be able to do it with a $4 uh, Raspberry Pi Pico. So that's about it for this episode of ModChat. I hope you all enjoyed it. I hope you all had some fun listening, watching, wherever you might be consuming this from. And I did have a question for you all. Uh, last episode, I only had a small selection of topics and it was a short episode. This episode, I'm doing the same thing here. We only really had three topics that I was covering on this. But I wanted to know from you all what you all think about that. If as opposed to picking one episode and having, let's say, I don't know, eight to ten topics in there. Maybe having shorter episodes but more frequent and having fewer topics on there. So something similar to this, maybe just having three or four topics and I cover those and it would again be a shorter episode unless they are some really long topics, but there would be some more frequency to mod chat. I guess I'm just kind of trying to gauge interest in that and uh, if you all like that, let me know. If you dislike it, let me know as well too. Anyways, that is about it for this episode here. I did enjoy making it. I hope you all enjoyed listening and watching it. And if you enjoyed it and you're at the end here, first of all, a like would absolutely be appreciated. If you didn't like it, a dislike is fine as well too. But for people who made it to the very end, I do like to pick a keyword or a key phrase. So if you use this in a comment on the video upload, I know that you've made it to the end. Now for this here, this is actually going to be twofold or maybe threefold. Uh, I decided to 
uh, pick this not only because of the episode number, but because I do like this group that has been coming out for several years here. Uh, let's use the keyword or key phrase triple one. So not only representing episode 111, 111, triple one, whatever we're using, but also a pretty great uh, rap hip hop collective uh, called triple one that I've liked for a few years here and I would recommend checking out if you're into that genre. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, I'm actually going to put a card wherever cards are going to be on screen uh, to one of their songs that I would recommend checking out. But let's go ahead and use that. If you use the phrase triple one in a a comment on the video upload, I'll know that you've made it to the end. Anyways, that is about it for this episode of Machat. I hope you all enjoyed. I hope it was entertaining. And this is Mr. Mario signing off. Thank you all for listening and watching, everyone. And until next time.